There is a curiosity in the Western world of indigenous principles and practices. Ancestors Alliance nurtures this curiosity by listening and learning from elders and medicine leaders who believe in unity and the importance of sharing in this contemporary world. Without education, many are left to a reckless use of such important and powerful wisdom. Join us hand in hand, ancestor to ancestor, as we find the middle ground together. Welcome to the Ancestors Alliance podcast. Today we have Marissa Sullivan, who is a sexual empowerment and intimacy coach and therapeutic yoga teacher with extensive training and years of experience, decades of experience. And I'm just so happy to have her expertise, her playfulness. That's that comes through so clearly when when you're in her presence is that we need to do this work with joy, with a smile, with fluidity. And something I I learn for sure and continue to learn. And Marissa, feel free to introduce anything that you would like to call to people today in this time. I know you have an upcoming uh, workshop for 30 days on the 17th and something else on the 20th. And of course, you are one of our sage leaders on the 22nd of November. And if you're listening to this in the future, don't worry. She's always packed with something on that calendar. So anyways, with no further ado, Marissa, welcome. Great. Um, yeah, I wish you... This four-week class that I'm doing that starts November 17th, so it'll be probably in the past when you hear this, but I do do it. Uh, I cycle it through, and I do it for different times. I'm excited. This time, I love that Europeans can come when there, there are some Europeans coming, so I love the global. Um, I'll do a New York City evening coming up in January, evening version. Um, and it's Marisa. Excuse yeah. me, Marisa. Yeah. So, it, yeah. so that's, um, it, which is the Italian version. I don't know why Marissa Tomei of Italian Heritage did Marissa, but yeah. Um, and I love, it's a very international name. Right? Filipinos, um, anyone of Spanish language is a common name and Italian, cross-cultural name. Love it. Well, speaking of, can you talk more about your ancestral heritage, your Italian roots, and further on that, how that influences all of your work? Because we don't live in a vacuum. Yeah. 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 It's so curious. Um, so I come from uh, half of my family is Italian. They're from Sicily near, uh, from Palermo area. And then half of my family is from Ireland. So I'm 50, 50, a very Bostonian mix. And I'm fourth generation, right? My parents, not my grandparents. If in my grandparents on the Italian side, some of her siblings came, were born in Italy and then they came and, uh, Irish it's back in the potato famine time. So yeah, that's my heritage. And, um, 
in a lot of ways, I didn't feel connected to it for a lot of my life. Um, I think a big, and that's making me cry, a big reason I wasn't so connected to it in my younger years was because of the church and my disconnection from the Catholic church. Um, my parents both left the Catholic church when I was uh, a child, my mother for being a feminist and my father for being an artist. And so there was a way, I mean, there wasn't that much going on. Irish, Italian, there was pasta, there was pasta. <laughs> there, was, there was food on the Italian side. Um, on the Irish side, I mean, there was culture, but not direct, you know, Be, and a lot, like anything left over was so much in the church. And I had this, again, this disconnection. And um, I would say later, I picked up, I went back to my, you know, I've in, I, in various times, I've stepped back into my roots. I did go to Ireland and, um, I, but by and I by the time I was went to Ireland, um, I had gotten involved in like paganism, so that was in there. As I practiced yoga, I discovered paganism, and I so and that are, that's my roots in both Italy, old Italy, and old Ireland, but pre church. I I did connect to and I would study pre church spirituality. And, and that is a nature worship. A lot of it is a nature worship. So when I went to Ireland and also when I also went to, um, in, in England, I mean, I fall for those rocks. Yeah, those rocks, like the Stonehenge stuff. I mean, and Stonehenge, it's sad because you're kind of distant. You can go to places where you can really be with the stones and, and, and they're miraculous. So coming together, being in a circle, what it existed. It was not something that was in my my mother, my aunts, my grandmother, um, but further back. So um so I so those those pagan uh, worshiping the you know, the solstice, the summer solstice, the winter solstice, marking when it, it's the darkest the dark, you know, the shortest day, the longest night, the shifts of the sun, the seasons, and the moon. I really, I came to understand that it was important to look at the full moon and the new moon. And that's old, that's, that is in my, in my blood, in my ancestry. Um, as I look back more, um, today, I'm seeing even more things, um, I love the looking now and looking at the strega. And I think when my daughter was young, I um, we read this book, Strega Nonna. Strega Nonna. A lot of people know this beautiful, beautiful book. And it's a, it's a, strega means witch. So, um, and it was about the loss, and, you know, and there is, and that is very much in my practice is the loss of the female healers that um, the patriarchy came in and um, at a certain point in, in a lot in Europe and terrible in the States, we lost the female wisdom, the herbal wisdoms, the um, movement to deal with our menstruation, 
So, um, you know, that's been something. So this, I, I, you know, I read that book and I hadn't, didn't know so much that there were, you know, Italian witches, the stregas, the, the grandmothers and the mothers and the down, the aunties. There was always somebody who would knew about the plants and would give you herbal remedies. So that was, that did exist in Italy. There's also, I, I have not done so much direct study, but I am very excited to look into um, the amazing goddess traditions in, in Sicily, older than Greece. Um, so, and there are dances, you know, ecstatic dances. I personally am really into ecstatic dance. So, and I do things like that are made today, five rhythms and things, but there, that it existed that women would go out in the woods and dance like paganism. That's what we would do. We would go into circle and dance under the moon. And that existed in, in, and in Italy, there are these other, you know, there's really amazing stuff. There's this dance of the black spider uh, and really this dancing into ecstasy and getting visions. Um, I did do in a, uh, there was a lot of, there was, I was very, I'm very grateful to my yoga teacher, Sharon Gannon, um, because she did honor, she was Catholic. And so she did introduce me to, and I did a lot of research about Catholic mysticism. So there was a way that I could, had some connection to Catholicism in the church, but a lot of, they weren't Irish and they weren't necessarily Italian. So, uh, People like, um, they were Spanish, you know, St. Teresa of Avila was a Catholic, uh, a Catholic teacher who was, who is phenomenal. And she was about, and revolutionary, St. Teresa of Avila, that we don't need a priest to talk to God, that we can just close our eyes and go into prayer and talk to God directly. It's like amazing that the Inquisition did not kill her. It's amazing. So it was nice to make certain connections, maybe through other cultures to Catholicism. But, um, and then since I've had the blessing just today, I found out that this moon is called the moon of the sacred whore. So I am a sex educator, yes. So, and I do love that in paganism that some of these holidays where you went out in the woods and you fucked. <laughs> you, you went on your roof and you had sex. Like you celebrated fertility and you celebrated pleasure. Um, and so I, you know, I just learned today that this is the, this is the, the sacred core. And I learned today that there is an Irish pagan goddess. You know, I always knew about Sheila. So I did discover also Sheila's. She, it's called Sheila or Sheila Nagig. This is an Irish and you find it in England too. An Irish pagan goddess that who opens her vagina and like is like, yo, this is the creative hole. This is where it all comes from. You all come from a pussy. This celebration of pussy. That it and. So, and I, there's now I'm looking, there's this sacred whore idea from Ireland. Like, who knew? I also, I was doing Reiki on someone once. I always had this aversion to Madonna because she was like, it was like the virgin mother. And it used to piss me off 
Like, why do you take sex away from the mother? You have to have sex and then you have a baby. Why'd you take sex away? Really? So then one time Mary came to me when I was doing Reiki and she was like, you have no idea. I'm the alternate family. I had sex with God. They just put Joseph there. I had sex. And then I went to a barn and people came to me and I had my own family. And it was a whole shift. And now today I'm just thinking, she had sex with God. She had divine, she was a sacred lover. You just, what is virgin? And virgin means something else. You know, we'll go back. Magdalene, uh, it's phenomenal what you can learn from Magdalene. I mean, I could go on. But to be reconnected to Mary, to the virgin, as an alternate family, as a single mother, a symbolism of single mother, it's mind-blowing. She's not, it's woman in their own power of family. It's a non-patriarchal family. That is very powerful. And thank you for sharing that, you know, intimate moment that you had with during your Reiki session. So thank you for that. Um, I, th I want to point out the importance of, you know, the connection to your roots and the connection to the mother archetype. That, that is no accident um, with that connection that you made. And I just want to make sure to point that out to listeners is that that's part of the step is connecting to this matriarchal lineage. Yeah. yeah. What, what um, I also want to touch on is in your training and your experience, your heart was called to many different cultures and it was drawn, you know, now you, you are making connections to your own culture through a lot of healing, truthfully. Mm -hmm. And if you can speak to how these other cultures and spiritual philosophies brought you to this point and, and what they taught you. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was wonderful to think of. This is wonderful to think. So really in my culture, there, what like yoga brought me, I mean, I, so I did a deep investigation actually first into Japan. I lived in Japan. I studied Japanese being there. I got interested in Buddhism and meditation. I was a teenager and then Japanese, uh, culture, um, so, and then after that, yoga. I really got into yoga. And I really studied yoga. Um, so what, what those things gave me that I wasn't getting from my family, my traditions, was one, a path to health. Health practices. <laughs> we weren't getting that. <laughs> Our food was not particularly geared toward health. We weren't talking about health. We weren't talking about nutrition. We weren't talking about our relationship to what we ate. So yoga gave me that. Yoga gave me this consciousness about food, um, where it comes from. I, I was a very serious vegetarian for a very long time. I am no longer a vegetarian, but I was a very serious vegetarian. And I was very much, it gave me consciousness about food, about nonviolence, about animals. I now eat animals for health reasons but I'm very conscious, could be more conscious, but I'm quite conscious about where it's coming from and what I'm eating and I don't need a lot of it. Um, it gave me meditation. 
and contemplation. Now that I did find that I, you know, again, I was very lucky in my very early years to find like St. Teresa of Avila and Christ, there are Christian contemplative practices and meditation practices, but I, that was not going on in any Catholic church I was connected to. I could feel it when I was a teenager and I was looking for something. God, it makes me so emotional. Like I wanted it so badly when I was a teenager, like spirit. And it wasn't in my culture. I would go into a Catholic church and somehow I knew it was somewhere just to sit there. But, um, and I remember being a teenager and walking on a, a Native American, at that time I would call it Native American. I didn't, I was, I'm 56. So saying indigenous peoples, the land of the mounds people along the Mississippi river. And when I first went to the mounds and walked on those mounds and I felt spirit like, I have never felt spirit. <sighs> so I always was looking for something. God, why did that make me really emotional? <laughs> I, I am so grateful that you opened your heart in that way. Um, so I, I think that that is such a blessing and a gift. So thank you for that. Um, truly. That, that was, that was a amazing to witness and I I felt I can relate to feeling in a church in a western church in America you know also feeling that sterile you know the sterile yeah. but also the something else there yeah and what I think it's um this is so healing for someone who who didn't have, doesn't have these practices in their culture. And that is the reality of so many of Americans and part of the immigrant story. I mean, I am Mexican American second generation. So there's more of a connection to my culture. And part of being Mexican is well, we're very fierce in preserving that, but there's a reason why there's the disconnection, you know, yeah. that, that came across the seas. It's, it's the way your parents were told to not, to, to assimilate and to not yeah. be those things. And then even further back. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say? I was just going to say the church got whitewashed. I mean, I now see so much of like my parents becoming white, like losing, becoming Irish and losing, becoming Italian. But and there was those moments in the Catholic Church where they, we would do peace be with you and also with you. I would like live for that moment. You know that in the church, Catholic Church. So you go and you peace be with you and you turn around and you hold it, you shake hands with those around you. And you have an embodiment practice. You have a, all of it and all it, just simply a ritual of shaking peace and you shake someone's hand and you look at them. I used to live for that one. And the, but the singing was hard because I loved singing, but I could not relate to the words or the music. Yeah. Now, I mean, you can I can find, of course, there's lots of amazing music. We we lost a lot of it, and there's some great music. I don't want to diss the whole. Um, some Catholic churches, I I'm sure, do some rocking music. I didn't encounter them. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think that's important to note, like, it's not about dissing, you know, other religions or spiritual beliefs. It's more of just, you know, this cultural caring of, of culture and certain practices and mysticism. But, um, you know, we can't ignore historical moments that really broke a lot of connections to the mother, to our bodies, to, to ourselves. Yeah. But even and later, yeah, not to jump, you know, and I mean, that yeah. I sought out the pagan trilogy of, of the maiden, the mother and the crone. And it was devastating to me to see that the mother was virginized and the crone was killed in the church. There's no symbol of the crone. There's no honoring of our elders. And that's the strega, the, the elder. We, we didn't carry that over. And, uh, and yeah, then to take away sex from the mother. So I was, I was furious with the church for, for that, that disillusionment of the mother and what happened. I've now, again, like there's, I've read some amazing books about Magdalene now. Magdalene was amazing. And she was a teacher hand in hand in hand in hand with Jesus. Yeah. And maybe a romantic sexual teaching there as well. I mean, there's a, it's there. Well, do share what those books are. Um, but what, what was coming to me was. Hmm. Yoga gave me spiritual practice, meditation, going in, quieting my mind. Gave me a way to quiet my mind. It gave me something, to, any, an embodiment. So in, in Japan, I, it was a bit unusual. I was dancing. I was doing a very modern dance, buto dancing. But it was very spiritual, poetic. But it wasn't ancient. Uh, but it had some roots in like ancient Japanese culture. But it was very modern. Um, and then practicing yoga, I got embodiment. That was not in my culture. There was nothing in my Italian and Irish thing that was about taking care of your body. People played football. <laughs> They, you know, there was nothing. We did, I was thinking about it, like we did the, the, um, what the heck do you call that when you go to a wedding and you dance the grapevine? <laughs> that was the most thing we had. It was like the grapevine. I did not, we didn't have a singing culture. I got kirtan. Now I'm sure it exists in my heritage. Getting together and singing. I'm sure it exists in Ireland. I, it was not something that carried through. So I got kirtan. I mean, to come together and sing back and forth in our breath. Um, and I'm, you know, doing yoga, taking care of my body, moving my body. Now I don't, I, I still do yoga, but I also do lots of things. I jump up and down. I just, so again, I'm sure like an ecstatic dance practice, an embodiment practice exists. I, you know, even just, and in some ways, you just worked with the land, I, you know. You just, like, planted and you took care of your garden, and that was going to be an embodiment practice. So there wasn't anything that was necessarily developed. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I'll keep looking. Mm -hmm. Yes. You, I think this touches on something that you teach, and, and we will go into our, our second and fourth segment in a moment, but 
just briefly, this, this is very much touching on what you teach women to do, which is you, you help them decolonize their body. You help them with, you know, the naming and the history. So I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, but, but this is very in line with, with what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I teach genital, so I teach genital anatomy for the vulva and the vaginal uh, genital anatomy. And if we look at the, and I love that you said the decolonizing, like our, what, how our anatomy has been labeled, a lot of it, it has, an, has colonization on it. So from the Latin, the nerve that runs from the brain to the sex organ, it's called the pendulum, pendulum nerve. It means shame. <laughs> it means fucking shame. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So thinking about that and then coming into our power and saying, it's the genital nerve complex. Like, stop calling it that. And to lift that shadow. Um, and there's many of these. To masturbate. I don't use the word masturbate. Masturbate from the Latin means to pollute with one's hands to pollute with one's hands to dirty your hands so i don't use that word i call it self-pleasuring self-loving and that's a really big word that it would be really important to eradicate that word um yeah so it i once you teach it then you rethink it um, a lot of the anatomy inside uh, of the vulva and vagina is named after men who think that they discovered it. Just like, just like Columbus, just like Columbus are the steam glands and the Bartholin glands and the freaking G spot. It's all named after men who discovered it. That's bullshit. So it's like, you know, the G-spot, it, well, when there's a movement to call it the prost the urethral sponge. It's a bunch of erectile tissue that surrounds the urethra. Just call it what it is. It is equivalent to the prostate. It could be called that. So there's movements to change a lot of things that what we call them. The inner and outer lips are called the labia majora, the labia minora. So most women, their inner lips are bigger than their outer lips. They hang out, they protrude, but they, in Latin, they're actually called labia minora and labia majora. So you get this thinking that something's wrong with you because they're, and they could be interchangeably big or small. There's no reason to call them big or small. One's inside and one's outside, just call them what they are and they're all different sizes. So you, then you have all this shame that you have the wrong size lips. It's crazy. And then you go get cosmetic surgery on your vulva because it's supposed to look like my grandmother got rid of her Italian nose. Women are changing their vulvas because they think they're not right. Mom. Yeah, I, and it's funny because today I've been reading Clitorit all day, which fun audible, you know. Reading what? Clitorit. Uh, uh -huh. 
Oh, nice. So I can't wait to hear more about the books that you recommend, though. Yeah. Um, and you can always send them to me later, and I can post or something. Yeah. But, so this, there's so much here. And yeah. I, I think it's important for people to, to understand this connection of decolonization, not only with their minds, but also their bodies. And especially if you are women and men to understand that there's so much information that, that you, Marissa, I, I learned from as well, that is so, um, that hasn't been accessible and that luckily we have people like you to look towards and to, to learn from with all of this information, because, um, how can we enjoy our lives, you know, without it, um, without knowing this. And we need one of my favorite teachers says Sherry Winston. She's a great sex, sex educator. She's really great. She says she has five principles of holistic sexuality. And one of them is we, you know, we need to learn this. That's like, we need good models. Most of our models are not real on sexuality. Like, Porn is our main model. That's not a good model. So it's finding accurate maps and it's like the history. Finding the accurate, the real stories. Yeah. Yeah. And this is so in line with um, with what, what I'm trying to do with Ancestors Alliance, which is with, the, mm-hmm. with our ancestors and connecting to our lineage. And I think that same you know, principle of we need to learn first and foremost and educate ourselves and and learn from from specific teachers uh because sometimes educating yourself can be very detrimental google like yeah yeah you can have a great teacher who gets something wrong true true like they're just off on their own hang up somewhere like we're still evolving yeah yeah so i i think you know taking that model in general, and, and understanding that when, when we are creating a new world that is not based in fear and this colonization and the patriarch, that have, you know, learning and then having good models and is, is key, which again goes back to the village mindset and looking at elders. And I think listening you know, what I believe is listening to people who, who have you know, a lot of experience and, and understanding. And again, that's, that's listening to your elders, which is very much, you know, a Mexican principle, not that, mm-hmm. you know, other people cannot have, you know, say or leadership, but there, there is something in experience um, that we can learn from. And I won't go on a, on a whole tangent there, but um I feel that there's a lot of fear, right? There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of um, panic in, in our society, in our community. When, when we try, you know, when we go out there, because Twitter is freaking insane. I mean, there's a lot of anger and hashtags and, you know, very reactionary behavior on social media. So it's no wonder that once we start to try things, you know, yeah. Well, we have to, yeah, we have to unwind and decode until we can rebuild. Totally. 
Yes, unwind and decode. Yeah. So part of what happens when we begin to try, you know, from learning from other cultures, or we begin to try and just because we simply didn't learn in, I mean, I, I did learn, but some of these people did not learn from their own families how to eat right and live live with, with the land. What would you say to them who are who are scared of um, culturally, you know, not being respectful? And th- sometimes there is some reckless use and there is cultural appropriation. But mm-hmm. what would you say is a way forward in this new world where we are globalized, where, like we're becoming more and more global. So yeah. that this is happening whether you like it or not. Um, how, how can we move forward and step with, with respect? Yeah. Um, I think, well, there are people giving great, great classes and all healers need to take these classes. <laughs> and eventually maybe I'll be teaching some of them or teaching side by side, but it's really important to teach, to, to take a class on what is cultural, cultural appropriation? Like, how do you not do it? And like, literally, you know, learn, learn from people of color, like what's going, what's been going on. But, um, so I, I, and I've taken some of these classes and I mean, one of the biggest things, like for me, when I learned yoga, I really went to the source. It was not, and I, I studied deeply. I mean, I so I went and learned Sanskrit like deeply, and so that the to really know, not just be you know yeah, <laughs> pronouncing things incorrectly and not know what you're saying, like know the meaning of what you're chanting, like through and through and through, and tell your students. One, tell your students who your teachers are, and if you know for whoever they are like I learned from Debbie and Debbie learned from so-and-so and Deb in the da, 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 back to the source like how it, where is your lineage what is your lineage of what you're learning and take it back to the source and luckily I had teachers yoga teachers who did that and we were going back to the yoga sutras of Patanjali to the main texts and we were learning the Sanskrit and the roots of the words. And then from those roots of the words, we were also looking, and this is where Sharon Gannon was so beautiful, looking at other places where this existed in our own cultures. We were looking towards the Catholic church. We were looking where it was similar to Buddhism. We were like looking globally, but I, you know, the chant like to, it's huge. Like, if you know, may all beings everywhere be happy and free to take Sanskrit and break that down and really understand what you're saying is profound. And then there's great meaning in that. So you're, if you're going to chant that, you're going to tell your students exactly what they're saying, knowing your, the roots, like deeply knowing the roots, knowing where it came from. I mean, I'm very fortunate. It was amazing to step into Reiki. Sorry, I got the truck out there to step into Reiki and I just dropped into Reiki and I spoke Japanese. I mean, I was blessed with that. That just happened by accident that I actually, and it was, that was amazing. When you start certain levels of Reiki, you get these symbols, these written symbols, and they're passed down through your teacher on a piece of paper. It was like telephone. That symbol, when I got it from my teacher, had changed. 
Now I spoke and wrote Japanese. So I looked at it and I did some research and I was like, no, this is actually, these are Japanese characters. And because you don't speak Japanese, you've written it differently back through four or five teachers. And the Japanese symbols are no longer there. It's some mishmash drawing. But I was able to go back and look at it and then no figure the meaning. The meaning was so much deeper when you have that language. So really, whatever it is, if it's Spanish, really going to the Spanish, go to the Sanskrit, go to the language of the texts, go to those original texts and know who your teachers are and know what's been changed. Start to look at where it's changed. And things are going to change. Telephone exists. Telephone that you go through one translator to the next, to the next, to the next. It's different. And you're working with your culture. And this is like also something beautiful. Like when you, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, Patanjali says, this is yoga. And then he, he says, look around the world and see the world. See yoga where you are in the now. It is going to refer to where the time and place that you're in. So name where you are. I'm not in India. I'm in Brooklyn. I'm doing this practice that was made in India, you know, and, but I'm doing it here in New York and I hear this music. So I might, it's going to change, but know what's changing and don't just change it without saying, you know, where does this come from? Everything. I mean, there's so, like, I love that I love to do the whole Oponopono, the Hawaiian prayer. So I learned this Hawaiian prayer from a book from a Hasidic woman. And now, and I will say, I learned this from Rachel Naomi Riemann. She was a, a, a Orthodox Hasidic woman. And she pulled on all these traditions. And I learned that prayer from her in a book. And it has, Trans, it's been transformed my life many times over. I teach it to couples to do sitting in front of each other. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And that's Hawaiian. I've never been there. Just, I don't know who, where, but I'll like, I mean, I, I will say, you know, where did it come from? This came from. And here it is. But I didn't learn it from these people. I wish I had. I'd like to someday, but this is what I have. Honoring the roots and the teachers. Um, and not, you know, you're not going to mix mat put it all together. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, but then again, I guess I, you know, I guess I do, but. And then the rituals and the ceremonies, that's where it's so beautiful that like coming down to the basics, the moon, the solstice and finding where we do all connect that you came out of a vagina <laughs> and looking, I mean, that's amazing. Go ahead. But I mean, you can like that in terms of non-binary now, it's like, I love that like Tantra, you know, so if I'm going to teach queer Tantra, the original goddess was a hermaphrodite who made love with herself. She was non-binary. I can go back there. And that I can, that's the tradition. Like, come sit here and be queer. And because there are roots for you to do that. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I want to reiterate that message of there are roots for you. 
no matter who you are or what your expression is. That's, that's beautiful. And if we go back, like you go back, how many vaginas you come from and you go back and you go back and you go back and you go back and we, you know, we're all connected. Like way back. You just, how far back you just keep going back. I mean, I love going back. Yes. I love when I say to someone like, Think about the aunties who taught sex, who taught how to have great sex in your lineage. And they're like, well, I don't know them. Like, you didn't know them, but they were there. Like, maybe you have to go back more generations than the ones you know. But if you go back, there's aunties who were like, honey, let me tell you. There was always those aunties. Like, we just have to look. That's always a sad one for me. The loss of teaching sex in our culture. Yeah. Like, where was that? Where did we lose that? Where did it become a shameful thing to teach? To teach how to have pleasure. I'm, I'll be looking. I mean, today, to find that, to find today, the sacred whore of Ireland, the Celts, you know. So it's there. It's like, where did the frickin' colonization and the church make it, a shame, make it shameful? Make the body shameful. Yeah. Make being connected to the land shameful it was better when we learned how to farm rather than be hunter gatherers who says that's better and and there is that like let's disconnect from seasons yeah and even you saying that that's almost like the conquering of the land too you know it's part of the colonization and i what i when you were talking i realized oh well it is all connected because the dec- i feel like decolonization like colonization is very much connected to appropriation you know it's like Mm -hmm. coming conquering you know having some sort of superiority um complex really and then with the land you know this is my land and i conquer it and it doesn't matter what season i can get avocados i can get you know spinach i can it doesn't matter i want what i want when i want it um so with our final segment Mm -hmm. and coming back to the land which we just began with talking about, you know, these indigenous principles of being in connection with the land and what we're, what we're talking a lot about and coining the phrase of living in communion with Ancestors Alliance and this great experiment. Um, what would you say living, I feel like you've spoken a lot to this of what living in communion is, but what would you tell people who are learning how to live in communion and what it means to you. I love, like, this is what I loved about studying Sanskrit, to take roots of words and explore it. So you have commune, live in communion, live in community. What is your community? And that continual circle of where your expanding community is, finding community, communication to keep, talking to each other and keep the conversation going, keep communicating, keep telling, like tell your students what you're doing, like really communicate. Don't just say, Oh, do this. Cause somebody told me it's a good thing to do. Like, no, I learned this from someone to communicate, um, to be in communion, to be in, to be in communion, to even the Catholic church communion, take communion. You take that vessel to like, to be in communion with the divine to be in communion, to be with spirit, to close your eyes and feel spirit, to be 
communicate, listening, to be listening. Communication really, and when you take it to be in communion, means to listen, right? To be listening. So that's where from, I like being with nature. Um, so, and what was I just thinking about that? So, so that, um, you know, we've talked about this, like doing what you can do where you are. Doing, you know, I live in Brooklyn. I live in an urban environment. I do not have a garden. Um, I go and I buy flowers at the farmer's market, you know, if I can every week. I watch the sunset as often as I can. Sometimes sunrise. I should watch more. I have a great roof. But the sunset, it's amazing. I, I often look at my day and try to make sure, like, within a week, how many sunsets can I Could I at least see two sunsets and mark the end of the day? Um, be in community. I am very lucky that for many years, and it's been really a big loss in COVID, I've taught elderly people. I, I'm a sex educator. I really love sex, but it's been a gift since I was in my 20s to teach old people yoga. So I know the old people in my neighborhood. I think that's huge. Know your elders, know your elders, respect your elders. And I don't do it nearly as much as I could. But look out for your elderly neighbors, like know them. But that I have walked down the street of Greenpoint where I've been here a long time in this neighborhood, but like they're gone. They're not here so much that, you know, it shifts in New York. But I know the old people in the neighborhood. It's amazing. Um, yeah, and like, it's so stupid, but composting is really a spiritual thing for me. It really is. It's like how... Like, I'm often thinking, what more can I do for the earth? So what, you know, looking at my trash and just seeing, like, how much less. And, and I'm always investigating, like, could I be using, where can I cut out plastic more? But to take that compost, I mean, now I go, like, because I used it. It was devastating in COVID that they got rid of it in New York City. It's back at the farmer's market now. I take it out of my freezer. I put it in a bag. So now I go once a week. They're not collecting it. We can't always do it. It's really hard, but if you can, but now it's like, you know, when I cut up my food and I can see what has to go into landfill and what is going to, it's still abstract, New York recycling, but I try to make it as concrete as I can. Um, being a parent is pretty big. Um, and I'm learning more and more. So being in communion, um, so I, it's, I don't know, I listen to my, what my daughter's learning. I listen to her community. I get involved in my daughter's school. I know the kids and the parents. I know where she is. I know the teachers. I'm involved. I'm in communion. I don't just like send my kid off, right? And, and that the school is part of the community. Like, I'm sorry, what are you doing? Sending your kid to a school that is not your community, like not the pe the representative of who lives there. Fucking schools that cost money. All the white kids, take all the white kids and send them out. Like what's going on politically and socially in your school as a parent? Get involved and know. Yeah, be in community, be in community. As many levels as you can find your local government, 
Like that's bigger. And that this is a beautiful thing for me lately that have, politics has been hard. <laughs> this past, and I got into, I was gifted a, this download of meditation that just blew my, I love this. So as we were in this big tumultuous period, I started connecting to this meditation because I realized that city bike, I love city bike, but I noticed that city bike had this thing that if you were on food stamps or any kind of government assistance, you can get city bike for $5 a month. So I realized like somebody was in city bank or city bike and made this rule up, made the, created this program. So at any time, at any moment on any government level, there's somebody doing something that either you are getting it's helping you or it's going to help you. Connecting, communing on all the levels of government that there are people that are directly affecting you to meditate on that, right? So meditate on a government level to meditate when you, every once in a while to meditate on the interconnection and the interdependence of your entire life. And it can be profound. Like who right now is doing things for me so that my life can happen who's picking the food who's packing the food and putting it on the trucks who's taking it out of the trucks and putting it on the shelves like food that i'm going to eat like next week months from now like it's all happening now people are taking care of me that i'm very interdependent to a lot of people my electricity somebody's out there like fixing the wires the roads there's a lot of people doing a lot for me right now and becoming grateful for the whole network that I don't exist in a vacuum ever. I couldn't. Who are my people all over the place? Thank you for, for sharing that meditation. I, and I remember you kind of briefly talking about it once when I spoke with you. And that is such an important reminder for everybody. And I appreciate you sharing it today and reminding us today to do that. And I, I, I will try to do that more because that, that's an important practice. We, we are at the end of our segment. Yeah. There's so much to talk about and so much to learn from you and, you know, make sure to check out Marissa's website, marissasullivan.com and monthly tantric date night. Yes. Put that all in the show notes, sorry, yeah, I didn't want to cut you. Joy Vibration, I teach this class where you just come and be goofy and laugh and play with each other. I love it. I need a little more of that. Um, so thank you for coming today, and we will talk more. There's more going to yeah. come from Marissa for sure. There we go. Thank you for everything you're doing. You may notice I say thank you a lot. And it is because I am deeply humbled by how there has been so much support and love in the mission of uniting our ancestors and living in communion. I am grateful for your support in showing up and listening to this conversation. We continue to grow this message by your participation of listening, liking, rating, subscribing, reviewing, or simply sharing with a friend or family. To find out more about Living in Communion, check out our website, www.ancestorsalliance.com and our Instagram, Ancestors Alliance. You can join this movement by joining our virtual Slack community, and you'll see that on our website in the community tab. Until next time. <laughs>